I'm Dee. I'm Alicia. And welcome to Tea Over Interiors, guys. Thanks for joining us today. On today's topic, we will be discussing how to choose furniture on any budget. Before we get to that, Alicia, I need to know what you're sipping on. Dee, I have Pico. Is it black Pico tea? Is that how you say that? Pico. Yeah, I think it's Pico too. Sounds good. What what kind of tea is it again? Oh, just black Pico. No honey. Uh, no, no, no. I had to stop with all the exotic flavors. I said, let me, let me just go clean here for a minute. It was going to be too much. Like, really? Yeah, let's go old school. So I have a tea from Geniusly Brewed. I mentioned them, I think, our very first podcast. They're a Black-owned tea company. Full disclosure, I know them. They're great people. So I definitely recommend their teas. And the one I'm having today is chocolate crisp. Very good. I can't pronounce one of the words, so I'm not going to bother with the ingredient list. Okay? Thanks, guys. Please don't judge. And now it's time for Dee's Randomness. All right, Alicia and listeners. It's Black History Month, as you know. This week, we are going to be learning about interior designer Harold Curtis Brown. Considered among the first Black American interior designers, unfortunately, there's not a lot of information about Mr. Brown. He was a interior designer that was educated at the Boston School of Fine Arts and the New School of Design. He decorated for a period in Paris, and he also ran an art store in Washington, D.C., before coming to New York and designing nightclubs. Kind of cool. Although there had been some achievements in early architecture, in the 19th century, many interiors of black built buildings were still being designed by white interior designers. Much of his work was for black people in Harlem and the Bronx, but he did transcend race. He won contracts with white customers in Manhattan's upper class neighborhoods, and his most prestigious project was designing the interior of Central Park South's Hotel Navarro, which would go on to become one of the first Ritz-Carlton hotels. However, Brown vanished from the scene at the height of his success. According to at least one researcher, it's believed that he began to pass for white to earn more money, an acknowledgement that access to the industry does not preclude equality. Today, we have many Black interior designers. And so that's my randomness. All right, let's talk about the furniture buying process. Okay, I've struggled with this as well. You have a budget. You need to stay within that budget. But how do you make sure that what you buy within that budget is going to be somewhat quality that you can keep for a while? For example, our clients may set a budget for a sofa of no more than maybe five to $10,000. But the average person is going to Look for a sofa that's under a thousand or that's a thousand to fifteen hundred because that's middle of the road. And depending on which retailer you go to, you can find something decent. But here's what I want to talk about when it comes to budget know your limit and set it. Now, let's say you see a sofa for a thousand dollars. What I want you to know is that there's about five hundred dollars worth of material within that sofa. And the reason is because the furniture industry, they make about 20% profit. When it goes to the retailers, the retailers market up to 50 to 60%. And that's why a lot of people do go to interior designers to help them decorate their homes and find furnishings because most interior designers will only do a markup of 10 to 15%. That's how you end up saving so much off of retail when you work with a designer. That's the one thing I wanted to say about 
the budgeting. It's something to think about. If you're going to buy a sofa that is about $1,000, then you're looking at maybe three to five years that you'll keep that sofa. But it's also important to look at the warranty. People usually ask me, where should I get my sofa from? If I can't afford, if I don't think I can afford to work with a designer to help me find something. I'll usually tell people, go to a place like Crate and Barrel, Pottery Barn, or Restoration Hardware. Although there is a secret to that. Many designers can get you restoration hardware furniture, not the stuff you see in the store because that's exclusive to restoration hardware. That's a whole nother story. For example, I bought a sofa. Well, no, I bought a sectional 10 years ago now. No, maybe 14 years ago. We no longer have it. We had it for nine years and then we moved and it doesn't fit in our new place. But that sectional had the left and the right facing and then it finished off with a chaise. Cost is about $1,800. We bought it from Macy's. I bought it because it had a lifetime warranty on the cushions. Why do I say that's important? If you want to know how long something's going to last, you have to look at the warranty that the manufacturer is willing to give you. The sofa was made in America. And I have to tell you, we had it for nine years. We've had people spill things on it. We've had people taking naps on it, sleeping on it because it was so comfortable. Those sofa cushions held up those nine years. And when we moved from our apartment, we gave it to a family friend and they're still using that sofa four years later and it's still holding up. Those cushions were made of certain density and of a certain foam and fabric so that it would last a lifetime and they can give you that warranty. It's very important. Look at the warranties. You can find two sofas the same price, but they may have two totally different warranties. And that's what you really need to concentrate on because you're going to get your best bang for your buck when you see what type of warranty the manufacturer offers. Alicia, what, what do you feel is, do you feel that it's valuable to pay for the extended warranties or those maintenance care packages that a lot of, you know, the big box stores will give you? They want you to get the platinum protection. They want you to get this. What do you think about those? Okay. I sold furniture in my youth and I used to sell those contracts. I would recommend those contracts for people that have kids and pets. And the reason why is because those contracts cover stains, rips, you know, accidental things that may happen, but they do not cover the wear and tear of the item. That's where the warranty from the manufacturer is important. But those contracts, they're only for cosmetics, basically. And I recommend them. I used to buy them. What are those packages buying you? First of all, they give you like a cleaning kit that you have to maintain your sofa. You have to make sure that you're vacuuming it regularly. And if you are getting something on it, that you're blotting it with a paper towel like you're supposed to, but they will come out and clean it for you. There's a lot of stipulations with those contracts. Read them over very carefully. They've changed over the years since I've been in furniture. Like I said, now when you buy them, they just give you a cleaning kit. But if you can't get it off with that kit they send you home with, then nine out of 10 times they won't be able to. But what's good is that if they can't clean the stain and it's one of the stains that's stipulated in their contract, then they can replace the product for you if they still have it. Or a lot of times they'll give you the value and you could just buy something different. Those contracts are like for seven years. Let's say after four years, they can't find something. It doesn't match when they clean it. They'll clean the whole thing to make it match. But then if they can't fix it to your liking, then a lot of times they just give you your money back and you could buy something else from the store. Let's talk about fabrics. Okay. I believe fabrics fall into about two two or three categories. Are there fabrics that can be 
gold guarded or scotch guarded or whatever right from the factory is it realistic to think that you can scotch guard your own fabric when you get home the durability will be better and the life of it will be extended as a result of you putting a treatment of some kind on it or calling in an, a, a company to do that because I know there are a lot of good companies out there that I have used in the past that will give a warranty and they will do a protective treatment on the fabric. That's if you're going for a fabric that is a cotton blend or some type of porous fabric, you know. Because people do spill. And then once we get past that conversation, if you could talk a little bit about leather and the durability and treatment of leather or bonded leathers or faux leathers or whatever. Because I you think know, that's my expertise. I know that. So that's why I'm talking about that. So there's the one woven. Then, of course, the second one is leather, bonded, faux, whatever. And then there is this thing which I think is, I don't know what category this fits in, but those, what are they called? Uh-huh. Fibers. Thank you. Could you kind of like address those three categories? Okay. Because that's pretty much what stuff is made out of nowadays. You that's said a mouthful. <laughs> I did it because I put them in three categories. Let's go with the, what was the first one you said? Some type of real porous woven material, like a linen, a cotton duck or something. A lot of these people nowadays are buying, if you recommend it, if they go to Restoration Hardware, they're going to get a nice fabric Belgian linen. It could be a slip covered product. It could be a fully upholstered product. Or you can go the Pottery Barn route. Their basic line is like a cotton duck. And then you can, you know, have it customized with different fabrics. If you're buying a woven material of that kind, do you buy the Scotch guarding? I'm using Scotch guarding because that's common, but that's just a generalization. Some type of protective coating. Do you buy that? Or do you, can you just go home and do that yourself? You can buy Scotch guard on your own for your upholstery. However, you know what's funny about that is that I remember back in the early 2000s that that was all banned by the EPA, Scotch guarding. But I guess they had to go and change their formula. I won't get into that. But again, read these chemicals very carefully. So a lot of times there's what's called performance fabrics. I was going to say something. I was like, let's not go into that too much. Okay. The last one. I know already, but I want to know for our listeners. If they go out and they buy a fabric. Sometimes from the factory, they will have some protectant on it. So like with Pottery Barn, their fabrics are already protected. And most companies do now. So that's important to ask when you are looking for that new upholstered piece. What's the cost on top of the cost of the product? That's an upcharge. What is it usually going to cost a customer? If they do it themselves, Scotch guarding a bottle, I think is like 80 to $85. It varies depending on the size you need, depending on how many pieces you want to have protected. It can cost about 10% of the sale of your purchase price for whatever pieces that their protection plan covers. That's what I know from when I used to work in the furniture industry. It may have changed, but it's probably about the same. You can also have like a Stanley steamer come out once a year and clean your upholstered furniture. They do things like that. And I think that starts at like 99. So it's all relatively affordable. If you're buying it from a retailer, buying a protection plan probably would be helpful if you're nervous about something happening to your investment. Because a sofa is an investment. You're going to have it for either three to five years or a lifetime depending on how much you pay for it. 
and how well it's made. When it comes to microfibers and chenilles and things like that, those fabrics are made now so that they are water or I should say liquid resistant. If liquid fall on them, they just stay in beads. And then you can grab a paper towel and lightly press it on that bead and lift it up without smudging it into the upholstery. So microfibers, those were made to be easy to care for. Now, a lot of people don't like the look of it, and I understand. But if you have kids or pets and you're worried about staining, then, you know, that might be a good choice for you. My favorite choice is the leathers. Velvets are nice, too. You know, when you buy higher-end fabrics, they're going to cost you more. They're going to last longer. But again, you've got to find out how they've been treated prior to you purchasing it. And these are all questions you should ask. My favorite is leather because as it wears, it just gets more supple and it looks better the older that it gets. So that's why I like leather. And it really wears well and it's easy to clean because unfortunately it's skin if we want to really think about it. When it comes to the type of leather, I would always go top grain. Top grain is going to cost you more. That's the top half of the leather. Bonded leather is just basically the scraps, which is the undercoating of the leather. Once they pull that top grain off and the top grain is basically the first layer of dermis, if I have to get a little technical. And the second half is what a lot of the cheaper, inexpensive leathers are made out of. And then they have to, they press it and emboss it to make it look like leather, like it's top grain. But a lot of times it's not unless you're buying like a Tuesday or something like that. I don't recommend bonded leather. You can't afford the regular leather then I wouldn't go with bonded. And a lot of times bonded leather has to have stitching and you don't want to see stitching. You want that leather that's been stretched and tanned and made to fit that seat cushion or made to fit that back of the sofa if that's going to be exposed. Hides, their larger pieces, the better quality, the top grain, as opposed to the bonded, which are scraps, and they're mostly going to be small pieces. It's interesting they couldn't make larger pieces. Why do they have to have all those themes? Why are the pieces smaller? Okay, so here's the thing. The hide is only but so big because cows are only but so big. So they stretch the leather and they can get it up to 90 inches for a sofa without having to cut too much. That's why a lot of the expensive sofas, the back will just be one piece. They stretch the leather as much as they can when it's top grain. When it's bonded, the bonded leather is whatever the main leather manufacturer that makes the the top grain pocketbooks, shoes, belts, whatever. When they cut that stuff up and they have materials left over, that's what's shipped out to the people who want the bonded leather. They really make use of these animals. Once they're killed for food, everything is used. Nothing goes to waste. They use everything. Those smaller pieces are going to become, you know, belts and they're going to become that bonded leather furniture. That's why they come in pieces because it's literally whatever scraps was left over. That's why they're smaller. That's really good information. I think that's going to be very helpful to people when they're making selections because that education alone about what these materials are, I think it's going to be very helpful. It's helpful to me even. And I know a lot of that, but... When you're making a decision about longevity, you know, how long you want to keep certain things and where you want to put your money. I want to put my money into fully upholstered fabric furniture. Those are the pieces that, to me, serve me best. But I'm 
super fastidious about maintaining my furnishings. If you, like you said, have a condition where you have children and animals, you want to make a decision based on durability and you want to know how long you think you may keep that. If your kids are toddlers to up to 10, then you might make a decision about a product over another. If you know you have teenagers and they have a very active social life and they've got a lot of friends that come by, you'll make a decision based on that. Or you'll decide, you know, this is the only rooms that those kids are hanging out in. The family room, you got to make a decision or choice of fabric and upholstery based on the use of that room. I think I think we've given tons of good information. I wanted to make one last note, though. If you are really on a tight budget, but you want something nice to last long, Alicia, this is your department. The best place to go is to buy secondhand furniture and have it either repainted if it's a case good or refinished. Or if it's an upholstered piece, have it reupholstered. A lot of times you can go and find secondhand Give me a name, Alicia. I can't think right now. Broyhill? Yeah, I've got Broyhill. Sometimes you can find a secondhand Drexel Heritage sofa. If you find that or Thomasville, if it's all covered in flowers, don't overlook it. You can get it reupholstered and you'll be surprised because the amount you're going to pay for that sofa and then the amount for reupholstery is going to probably equal what you can buy in the market today. But you're going to have that piece much longer because, you know, with the fast fashion and everything, that spilled over into the furniture industry. That's why you go online and you see these two and $300 sofas. Remember, when you see those two and $300 sofas, remember Dollar told you that half the money of that sofa went into the material. Think about how inexpensive those materials are. Think about that and know that this piece may only last you about a year or two depending on how often you use it and how well you take care of your furniture. You're better off if you want higher quality, but you have a lower budget, you're better off going and seeking out secondhand furniture. I agree with that completely. You know that. If you can find a furniture resellers. Liquidators. Liquidators. Thank you. I went there and I saw a sofa, the same sofa for $50. It looked like someone had walked all over it with muddy boots and just walked all over the sofa. I was like, what kind of crazy? Who would do this? I've since had it reupholstered. Now their upholstery cost me $800, but the piece cost me 50 bucks. By the time I bought the fabric and reupholstered it, it's custom reupholstered in Belgian linen and another fabric. It's a very high-end look for $850. That's smart because you can't find that same quality sofa in the store anymore. No, that would have been a $5,000 custom upholstered sofa. My girlfriend did the same thing recently and it was Lee Industries. It was already an original custom upholstered and built sofa. You're not going to find anything like that in any store. You have to order it from a designer or from a custom upholstery shop. And she got that for 30 bucks and literally did nothing to it. She had the Stanley Steamer people come out and clean it. Yeah, and that's smart. So if you want to save money and you're on a fixed budget and you want something that has a custom look, then secondhand's the way to go. And it's the way to save our landfills. Those are some of the things to think about as well. If any of the subjects we spoke about today brings a question to your mind, do not hesitate. 
to drop us an email at hello at tovanteers.com and let us know your thoughts on today's episode and if you have any questions that we can answer for you. It was wonderful spending time with you. As usual, we love, love, love to be with you on our podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. All right, great. Thanks, Alicia. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Have a great day. Bye. Tea of Interiors is brought to you by Truesdale Morrison Staging and Design. Follow us on Instagram at Truesdale Morrison Design as well as on Facebook. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend and be sure to follow us on Spotify as well as give us a review on Apple Podcasts so that we can grow. We'll see you next week.